0: This episode of the Managing Madrid Podcast is brought to you by Hotel Rio Plaza in New York Times Square. I know a lot of you are traveling to New York for Real Madrid's preseason game against Atletico. We definitely are. We're going to be recording a post-game show from the stadium when the game ends. And then two days later on the 28th, we'll be doing a live podcast for the public, which you can buy tickets to uh, on our Eventbrite page, which we'll link to the show notes. It's going to be at the Playwright Irish Pub. So, needless to say, we're we're going to be in New York, and we're going to have a blast. So, come meet us, have some drinks, meet Gabe and I, and potentially a couple other managing Madrid staff members also will be in attendance, and uh, and and talk some Real Madrid with us. Just have a good t- good time. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. When you book your stay in New York, make sure you book at the Hotel Rio Plaza in New York Times Square. The Rio Plaza, New York Times Square, is located in the heart of this great city that is New York and is surrounded by emblematic sites such as Central Park, Rockefeller Center, the Empire State Building, Carnegie Hall, and the luxury stores on Fifth Avenue. Its extraordinary location makes the hotel the ideal spot from which to enjoy the authentic pace of New York life and an interesting array of cultural and leisure activities. It is located in the heart of Manhattan, has 29 floors, more than 600 rooms, Wi-Fi, gym, great bars, great dining, and uh, it is literally steps away from Times Square. So make sure you book it. You can book at riu.com. That's riu.com. So step one, book your ticket to New York. Step two, book your hotel at HotelRiu at riu.com, riu.com, and then Get tickets to our live show. Really is the perfect weekend. I can't think of a better weekend. Um, Just so much fun to be had in New York at the end of the month. Make sure you come out. Before we get started uh, where uh, we record a podcast with Eduardo Alvarez and myself, we are going to uh, do a quick shout-out to our patrons. So patreon.com slash managing Madrid is where you go to pledge. Get access to bonus shows, including one on Friday, where we're going to preview the Bayern game and take some mailbag questions and a ton of bonus content throughout the season, post-game shows, mailbags, um, loan tracker s- segments where we review the players on loan every weekend, and, and a ton of ton more bonus content. Uh, shout-out to these $10 patrons specifically who um, who get a specific shout-out on the podcast. So shout-out to Mikael Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Nick DeStefani, Adam Dorsey, Leon Stavronakis, Frederick Rantakiro, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Sergio Monleon, Ilian Zako, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Robero, Eric Rogers, Saad Omar, Sheikha Thiri, Oluwapamimo Oledunjoy, Patrick Odayafadi, Christian Toff, Dan Berthi, Armin Gashi, Tarek Svear, Kunal Tilakar, Marin Myrtle, Tyler Dixon, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Pena Maradisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Brennan Stevens, Castro Moscala, Catherine Fagundo, Vino Baratula, Zoran Bosnjac, Swayayala, Crystal Glass, Rafael Servia, Yehin Liang, Karen Scherer, Somanchu Singh, Brennan Powers, Rovi Tahiev, Amy Emil Shabaz Sharapov, Fabian Moreno, Varun Bernard Kufur, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Solomon Ortiz. I, I I can't even begin to say thank you. It really is like the support is overwhelming. I nearly black out reading that list lately, so I need to think of another system to, to, to do this so that we don't have to sit through an hour-long intro, uh, but without further ado, this is the Managing Madrid podcast with myself, Keon Sabani, Eduardo Alvarez, for an awesome discussion on all things Real Madrid, let's go.
1: Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog, the wonderful lads to do a great job there, and it's worth reading about that man there,
0: Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host, Kian Sobani. It is a Thursday uh, evening, nighttime, depending on where you are. Uh, in the case of the man who's joining me tonight, Eduardo Alvarez, it's, it's a bit on the later side, um, joining me to talk about Real Madrid um, and some of its history, basketball tonight, some James Rodriguez stuff, and, and wherever else the discussion goes is, is uh, Eduardo Alvarez. Eduardo, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you very much. How are you?
0: I'm good. we have a game tomorrow? I it's just kind of creeping up on us now. And it's at I believe seven thirty or eight thirty or something like that Eastern time. Do you will you even wake up for that or are you just it's pretty no, late not for, really. for you, yeah.
1: Not really. Even though I'm really interested and I was reading some of the suggested lineups from some of our readers and they looked like a lot of fun <laughs> but but it's, it's just too late for us
0: you i mean you It'll have to like you in the morning you have to basically th- these are the moment if there's any games you can miss it's these ones right um because once the season starts and it's on your time zone really you you're tuning in but now like if now you should probably get some sleep and uh i i know that you're awake at that time Sometimes I know, like sometimes I see you tweeting. I know sometimes you sent me a message during the NBA <laughs> playoffs when I don't know what what uh, ungodly time it was your time. But for this one, I, you, you're completely in your right not to watch it. I,
1: I've, I, I may watch it because, as you know, I have a six-month-old and uh, I'm taking care of him until four in the morning. So that's the reason I was watching the NBA Finals. And uh I may be awake and, and watch it, but I'm not gonna plan for it. Indeed.
0: I'm actually. It's amazing that it's been six months. When you when you said it just now, it dawned on me because the last time I s- saw you in person, I think he was just born. Yes, uh, and we were sitting in the park, it was beautiful Retiro, and it was sunny, and uh he had just been born. I can't believe that was about six months ago. Wow does it it does it fly by for you? I because I remember for me. My son just turned two, and I don't know. I don't even know how that happened. But you know, even like when you said six months, I it just dawned on me like it it went by really quick.
1: Yes, extremely quick. Well, you see, you see him sitting down, and I don't know eating real food. <laughs> it's it's really shocking. <laughs> yes.
0: So you usually when you write an article for Manager, I drag you on the podcast. Uh, unfortunately for you, you'll be seeing me quite a bit. I like really starting. End of August, September, when the season starts, I'll be there. So you're going to be seeing a lot of me in person too. Um, Great stuff. But uh, you know, I, I I feel I get it, get more out of it than you do probably because I enjoy just picking your brain. Um, but one of the things I really enjoy is going through your articles and experiencing the journey of the kind of the storytelling. You wrote two articles in the past, uh, well, since the beginning of July. One of them was on the Real Madrid basketball team. I thought it was interesting because I'm someone that doesn't really follow the basketball team. Although, like, the, the extent of my following is I, I kind of know some of the results. If something big happens, I'll watch the highlights. Um, it was impossible not to tune into Luka Doncic to some degree two yep. seasons ago now because he was at a level that was really incredible. I, I guess I'll start with this someone like you who's watched Doncic play where did you think he was going to where do you think his legacy was going to lie in the nba and, and how high do you think he would have gotten drafted because i can tell you to me rather unfairly a lot of people in north america use this silly excuse which was well he's it's it's europe so we don't really know how that will translate to the nba little do they know that it's a higher level than college basketball
1: yeah I mean I mean neither here nor there in, in, in terms of I knew this, this kid was special because uh, he was leading a team and he was 16 and obviously not NBA level basketball, but really high level basketball and uh, is one of those things is one of those plays that you have to, to watch live. I mean, when he was playing for Real Madrid, I'm like, I need to watch this match there. I, I mean, TV is not good enough. Mm. I need to see one of those guys that, that are worth the, the admission ticket at whatever price you have to pay. So I saw him for, for, for as, as much as I could. And I knew he would make it big in the NBA, but I didn't think he would be successful so early. I didn't think he would have such a good rookie season. I was concerned about the, his body's ability to adapt to a tougher kind of opponent, more physical, bigger. But And obviously, his field goal percentage suffered, but he's just been outstanding. And, and we knew the his vision, his passing skill... Um, the ability how how clutch he was as a player those things are really important right now in today's NBA and and he has I mean it's an amazing kid to watch and, and now it's it's outstanding to see how much he roots for Real Madrid even being in in, in Dallas and he keeps watching his former teams, uh Matches and roots for for his teammates. Uh, it, it's amazing. He's he's, a, he's one of the biggest Real Madrid fans I've seen.
0: One of the, I mean, and and to to add to your point, I think one of the most impressive things about him was that when you looked at that Real Madrid team last season, or that season, his last season with Real Madrid, he was, I believe, still a teenager at the time. I think it was nineteen. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but. He was leading that team as if he was like the 30-year-old captain. And that roster was, was a bunch of veterans. And I, the way they looked to him to be the leader, I think that is always, to me, is a great sign of maturity and also how his, like, his mental side of things will translate to the NBA because physically he can still develop, um, which is scary and exciting. you know. Uh, mentally, yep. I think he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's in a different breed for a player of his age.
1: Yes, uh, and and this has a lot to do with the type of team that he's been playing with when he was in Madrid, and how the group respected his skill. And in no time, we saw any jealousy from more veteran, more senior players, or any attempts to to cut his minute down. Or, or he was just, uh, this kid is special. Let's take care of him. He was like the the pet of the team at the beginning and he evolved into the the leader on 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 the floor and and it was such a natural and, and and evolving uh role that uh tells you a lot not only about donsic as a player and 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 as a leader but also about the rest of the team because there were there were no issues he he was learning all the time from his teammates and managed to do it so fast that in two, two and a half seasons was already the go-to guy in, in every single uh, deciding moment of the game.
0: Well, part of the the team ethos, which you wrote about and you speci- specifically mentioned um, Lasso's role as head coach, um, in creating this atmosphere of, you know, everyone buys in, there's a certain... Um, there's a certain competitive side which you emphasize in your article. And uh there's kind of this never say n- you know, never never die attitude, which is basically what Maridismo is, is you know, you you fight till yep. the very end. And also just the the body language and some of the things that were spoken in the press conferences at halftime the notes like you know, how we need to improve, we need to do this better, we need to do that better. I was thinking about like how this can be because whether you impl- wanted to imply it or not, to me, literally the hidden message in this article was like, how can we translate this to the football team? In the sense of Absolutely. like... how, how can Absolutely. This, how can we learn from this consistency and this attitude where um, clearly Barcelona have really, quite frankly, dominated domestically in the, in the modern era? Um,
1: and, and to me, it's a matter of competing... In every match of every tournament, and never take it if. That to me is Real Madrid.
0: You know what I thought that,
1: about. That's how I, I and and team spirit, uh, but always subjected to compete as hard as possible, and making every single effort to to win every match. Uh, when I read things like uh, our tournament is the Champions League, and who cares about La Liga and blah blah, blah that's mm. t- I mean. That's just not us. I'm sorry. I don't want to be the. I don't want to sound like uh, the the preacher or the the fundamentalist. But th- that is really not Real Madrid. Uh, we've had uh, a, a great running streak in Europe, but every single mm, Madridista should be concerned about our performance in 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 the domestic. Uh, tournaments and uh, the basketball team you just you you just see the, the data that I threw into the article they, they just they've been to either the final or the semi-final or of every single large tournament and even in those matches like that that they lost we saw them compete until the very end of every single match uh, it's that is something that uh, at the end you don't even need them to win I keep watching them uh, play when they don't play in Madrid. Uh, I keep watching them play in, on TV. And I, my wife is, ends up really annoyed but I, because I, I'm like, I love watching these guys. And I'm, I'm, I watch them standing 90% of the time. I even get more carried away than, than with the football team. But, but it's just a question of how intense they play. And you keep, guy, you keep seeing guys joining the team and loving the atmosphere and not wanting to leave. And after they leave, they keep uh, tweeting stuff and posting messages on Facebook about how great the atmosphere was and how glad they are that the, their former teammates are still reaching every final. Uh, it's, it's just a, a dream scenario that would be exactly what I would desire to have in, in the football team. And, and probably at the end of the article, I was relating this with Zidane and the, the, the reason why he left. And, and his explanation was, was quite along the same lines of what, what we're discussing. Uh, he needed to know that he was able to make the, that team compete day in and day out, and, and he wasn't able to do so. And that's why he
0: left. One, one of your opening quotes in this article was, a <clears throat> um, sideline reporter asks Anthony Randolph uh, at halftime, or, or tells him he has had an amazing game. And his answer was, that he was disappointed, um, they need to improve, that he's not happy. Um, my mind immediately went somewhere that maybe unfairly it went to. And if I thought about that Solari quote after a draw this season, where he said a draw is a good result. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't want to read too much into it because in the end, really, who cares what you say? It's about what you do on the pitch. And, you know, sometimes you put a mic in front of these people. They either say the right thing or the wrong thing. Um, but my mind immediately went there, and I didn't really know what the solution is. Because on the flip side, you've had, I remember, the season prior when Real Madrid were dropping so many points in the league, and Zidane's, yep. Zidane's responses in the press conference were always like, we know we have to improve, uh, we start every game poorly, we need to be better mentally. Yep. But then you... Really, like, those words, what did, what do they mean? Because nothing would change in the next game. And and you really, you don't know where the solution is. It's not like Zidane is going out and telling his players to come out of the game and not do good things. He's clearly doing the opposite. It somehow didn't catch on to the players or whatever the issue was. I'm not yes, sure what it was. that's the thing. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. It's a team thing. It's a team thing. And, and it's not only the worst, but the way, the way they were. Uh, uttered in in both examples the, the the one you brought up is fantastic um in the case of Randolph he had uh, I don't know he had like 12 points in eight minutes and six assists and three blocks and in in at half time I'm like this guy is playing like crazy mm-hmm. and then I see the the sideline reporter going to interview and I'm, like, I'm, I'm happy like this is this is the guy you should be interviewing. Let's see what he has to say. And he is so angry. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why is he? Why is he looking like that? And 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 the sideline reporter reminds him of of all the numbers that all the all the figures about his his first half. And he's like, we're losing by one. I'm not happy. Mm. It's just the way he said those things. Um, And and the Solari quote is is the exact opposite. It's not only that he said that a draw is is an okay result. It's just that he wasn't really mm, frustrated or angry or mad at at having drawn a match because you could say that in a completely different context, but they're asking you right after the match when you have played, not, not by any stretch of the imagination, a brilliant game of football and then you say that a draw is, is 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 an okay result that's i mean are they are the extremes of what we would need for the club probably
0: well on one hand i think it's an interesting discussion because when solari says something like that there is some part of you that should also feel you know what i'm glad maybe he's not panicking he's he's calm he's <laughs> cool he believes that this will be turned around on the other hand and i I know no one on this podcast likes to hear this name brought up, but Pep Guardiola, the reason why he's won some league titles he's actually psychotic when it comes to these things yes. about three yes. points every time every game is a final. like he's psychotic about it, and it works, yeah. and so you look at that that ex- other extreme and like you know what that's that's actually kind of what you need if you want to win every game and you only show up when the when it's a final or a or a knockout game then uh then that's pretty much essentially the reason why you're not winning league titles
1: yeah yeah and and again um, it's a, we're being spoiled by how successful they've been in the knockout tournaments when in fact the domestic titles and, and La Liga should prepare you to do that it's, it's, I mean this is yeah. completely not the way things should work and I'm really glad they've worked out the way they've worked out but I mean, if, if you're terrible in La Liga, it's, chances are that you're not going to win the Champions League. And we've done that a few times in our history, I know. But again, if you're ready to compete every week, you have more chances to win both in Europe and, and, and in Spain. And if you just take days off, uh, uh, turning, turning it on and off is a very, very rare skill.
0: Um you went when you were mentioning you were talking about uh Pablo Lasso's kind of ethos and what he's building and you, and you mentioned, you glossed over to the idea that you know, this isn't a a a coach who brings in superstars and then makes it work. He has a clear identity, he wants to play a certain way, and he finds players who fit that mold, which is probably the correct way of doing it because you're more reliant on the system rather than a player. But um you mentioned you mentioned, obviously, two great players uh, who have played for Real Madrid. As, like, you know, just examples, this is not exactly necessarily how it works, but it because we ha- also have had great players. You mentioned Arvita Sabonis, Drazen Petrovic, who not only in Real Madrid circles, but literally in NBA circles are complete legends. Um, one name, you also mentioned uh, Rudy Fernandez, Sergio Rodriguez. I'll also just add one just because I feel like I... I want to, and that was Serge Baca who won a championship yep. this year with my, my Raptors and uh, yes. was there during a brief <laughs> stint during the NBA lockout. Um, my question to you is this. Do you think there is a world or will eventually get to a place with Real Madrid basketball, given how popular the sport is, where Florentino Perez treats it as maybe maybe takes it a different level, maybe starts throwing enough money in it to sign more NBA players, or is it possible that the NBA can expand to Spain and include Real Madrid and maybe Barcelona into it?
1: Let me take one tangent before I answer your question. Sure. Which is, you said that Lasso looks for a certain type of player that... uh, because it fits his system it's it's you don't depend on one specific player but of, of the way they work is not only the system but, but the personality the, the, the character of the player he looks mm. team, he looks for teammates for team players mm. he doesn't want one who is who is going to break the the atmosphere or the harmony between between the team uh, and the coach And uh, anyone who's come and has made a slight bit of noise has left very quickly. Mm. So it's just more a question, not only a question of if that's the right kind of point guard or the right kind of forward, but it is also that he is looking for certain types of persons, unselfish, um, hard workers. And, And the moment someone is not... Up to the par with the rest of them, it, it, it immediately stands out. And again, that's that's the way we should be thinking of the type of players we want for the football team. Again, not only for the type of. I mean, that that's why. Do you see Pogba uh, doing that, or I, I struggle, I struggle. And I know we need a few stars, but um, when you see players like Modric, or that, that's that's more the type of player that. Would work in in a in a team environment, right? Mm. Anyway, um, back to your question, um, the the possibility of, of Real Madrid joining, um, uh, let's say, a more international league, not not the NBA yet, but uh, there's a huge discussion of the 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 equivalent of the Champions League in basketball becoming actually a domestic European league and every every team, like it's been spoken about in the Champions League and in the Football Champions League as well, every team Real Madrid will play uh, Milan, Moscow, whatever, every week. Um, the, that has obviously a lot of resistance from the domestic leagues, but it kind of feels like the way to go comparing the NBA on on uh, pretty much the continent with a European league in another continent. And that would make European teams able to compete a bit better for talent than they can do now. I mean, uh, uh, the NBA is always going to have a, an extra appeal. But if Europe organizes this kind of European league and uh, puts some resources into it... I mean, this is always uh, a a financial um, type of battle, and uh, the market is there for the taking. And and, and I'm pretty sure that things would get even closer, not even out, but closer than than they are right now.
0: I want to switch lanes for a second and cut to your James article, which uh, you expressed that you, you do not want James to join Atletico, which is a more than reasonable stance. <laughs> I, I think it's, what's interesting about this situation, Ed, is that it doesn't seem like right now there is a huge market for James, which is puzzling to me because, and I mentioned this on a podcast on Monday on the Churusi Tacticas podcast, that it seems to me that there is a lot of incompetence in football and people who are making decisions at the head office level. To the point where, like, if you're someone like Manchester United and you're splashing money on other players, why not look at someone like James as an answer? Um, I think there are, I think there are teams that could definitely use him. Unfortunately, Atlético is one of them, and I, you know, on one hand, I don't want him to go there. On the other hand, if you're him and if you're Real Madrid and you're really not getting a bid from other places, and it seems like Napoli. De Laurentiis, the president there, has become hard-headed about this and now doesn't want to pay um, for James in a weird statement where he talked about um, how he's below Ronaldo and Messi in terms of marketing, like just below, which is probably incorrect. But also then he went on to say that he's not worth that much and it seemed like Ancelotti wants him, but Napoli are backing out. So if the last resort is Atletico and Real Madrid have this choice and it's been reported in Cadena Ser now that Real Madrid have just said, basically told any team 50 million he's yours whoever takes him and if that only the, the only team that shows up is Atletico what are you going to do
1: um, i i agree with you and and that's probably the bottom line of all this either we both are missing something or how on earth is James only worth 50 million I mean, I know he's not been able to play every single game of, of every single season for a while, but come on, I mean, he's amazingly effective offensively. And, and there's not that many players that can generate as much scoring chances and as well as score as, as James in, in, uh, when he's in shape. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. I'm being serious. Obviously, yeah. it's not it's not next to Neymar or, or Messi, but in in the second tier of top talent offensively, there's not when he's uh, when he's in shape, there's not very many that can that can take your 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 team offensively to the level that that he can. And 50 million to me is like we're giving him away. We paid like 90, 80 some, and uh, it seemed a bit expensive, but after he started playing and we saw what he was capable of, I wasn't really mad at having paid almost 19 million for James. So I'm really surprised that first we loaned him to, to Bayern for, for nothing pretty much. And that we gave them the option to buy it for 42 and they didn't buy him again. We're probably missing something because it makes no sense.
0: Um, it's a it's a fascinating discussion because now we have reports that he's gonna join the preseason team. James, that is. And which may or may not mean anything because we know that the preseason every season is filled with players who are not gonna be part of the team. That's just how it is. It's you know, you take like a bunch of players, a bunch of kids, a bunch of players you're about to sell or about to loan, and they all they're all together for like a week or two, and a lot of them just go their separate ways. So James, if he does join the team, could you know, doesn't it's not really an indicator. But I do wonder what is the scenario if the way that Atletico are spending like crazy, maybe they just they come to a halt here. Napoli doesn't go back in for the race. No other team bites. Do you, are you really going to have a situation where you, you've already tried to sell bail. It doesn't look like you've been able to. <laughs> nope. uh, if the same situation happens with James, what does happen? And does that all of a sudden dissuade Real Madrid from, looks like Pogba is going to be too expensive? To me, if you're going to splash, you're going to splash more than 50 million on Ericsson. I think it's going to be closer to 75 to 100. I don't think it's going to hit 100, but I think it's going to be higher than 50. If they go for Ericsson for 50, will they even do that if they're forced to have Hamas in the squad? And part of me hopes that they don't, they strike out on Ericsson. They have to keep Hamas because to me, James, at his price right now, is worth way more than Ericsson is in terms of maybe I overrate him. I don't know. But to me, James is the better creator. Um, yeah, he's a proven team far. player. He has a good character. I Not that Ericsson doesn't, but you know I have no issues with James at all. I guess my fear would be they keep him and then he just doesn't play. And that's just a sad situation.
1: I mean, when, when Zidane used him as... Uh, kind of as the leader of the second unit in 2016-17. It did work really well, but James wasn't really happy. And in the current scenario, I don't see him even getting those those matches that he got uh, on, on uh, two seasons ago. So, it, I mean, I don't see a, a, an easy way out of this. Unless someone comes from with the cash, because uh, I really believe that he's going to spend a lot of time in, on the bench, and we're going to have to sell him for 20 cents on the dollar in in the winter transfer window. I this, did, this really doesn't look any good.
0: Yeah, I did. Um, well, that's the thing. I think you may end up selling him for a lower value than you you wanted to initially sell him for. But I did it. Something that did catch my attention in your article when you said that he would join up with Morata at Atletico if that happens. Which is basically the two, the two heroes off the bench in that sixteen seventeen season. Yep, I never exactly. thought about it until you you mentioned it that way.
1: And they were fantastic together, fantastic. Yeah. They they that that they were the difference between that season and the following season, or, or winning La Liga and making full of ourselves in La Liga. <laughs> they were the difference. I'm I'm being serious. They won us at least six, seven matches with, with playing really attractive football and giving that extra rest to Ronaldo and company so that they could finish not only the Champions League but also La Liga in top shape and and we could win both titles. So I can, I mean it's been uh, uh, almost three years more but I can see them combining to to give a lift to Atletico who after selling or losing so many players, they looked like they were going to be in trouble. And if they ended up getting James, it's it's again a very respectable opponent.
0: Well, the, the list, if that happens, of former Real Madrid players at Atletico becomes astronomical. <laughs> um, I know
1: at, I know where you're getting at now.
0: <laughs> it's basically, it's as you mentioned, a lot of players historically, if, if Real Madrid players go to Atletico, based on history and past precedents, it's usually because they're not at a certain level. If they go the opposite way, um, which you mentioned, Hugo Sanchez, obviously it's the complete opposite. And I was looking at Atletico's roster. I'm just looking at it now. Antonio Adan. Yeah. Mario Hermoso. (laughs) Um, Juan Fran is gone, but he was obviously part of it last season. Saul who played, who was at technically Castilla player for a very brief period. Uh. Obviously Marcos Llorente. Obviously, uh, that, that was that was
1: where I wanted to get at. Mm. Um, um, because in, in, in my article I, I specifically mentioned that I didn't know what to do with Marcos Llorente. Uh,
0: mm.
1: Whether that was uh, a downgrade because he wasn't good enough for Real Madrid or that or that was a complete mistake. Uh, personal mistake from from our beloved coach.
0: Yeah and so <laughs> <laughs> I, I, let me ask you this because a lot of people get angry about this stuff and call these players traitors. Um, you know better than anyone. Where where would you rank the hatred between Real Madrid and Atletico? Because it seems to me it's not... I don't know if it's as big as we think it is. Certainly a lot of players have mutual friends between the two teams. It's certainly not on the level of the Barcelona you know, rivalry. It's not as taboo to switch teams between these two than it is to Barça. And how much would you fault a player for switching teams between, you know, going to their cross-city rivals?
1: Well, this has changed. Um, at At some point in the past, when I was when I was a lot younger, um, they could be considered head-to-head rivals. Then Atletico went uh, underwent a completely terrible face and uh real madrid treated atletico fans like they're like the the, the younger brother let's say i mean you cannot you won't beat me <laughs> even if you try and you're at completely different level than than we are and we won so many champions league blah, blah blah so it was kind of it was not even a rivalry it was a feud right and but I do think that Simeone, even losing to finals of the Champions League and not being able to beat Real Madrid in, in a few times when it really mattered, Simeone's brought Atletico back into the fold and you've you you you've seen Atletico defeat us uh, in, a, in an amazing running streak yeah. time and again. And uh, if, again, historically leaving for Atletico was like a downgrade, and no one would think of the player as a traitor because he was just going to a to a lower opponent, right? I mean, you don't you don't betray your your team if you go to a to a smaller team. You, you betray them when you go to a direct rival, and Atletico wasn't that. But now things are slightly different, and we have felt some of the. I mean we, we there was always I'm not going to say hatred between both teams but Atletico have also Atletico fans have, have also been very vocal against Real Madrid fans and very I mean insults are are tough when when it comes to Atletico fans they are they they know how to get us riled up and uh, I wouldn't say Jurante was a traitor but if I were him, I would have chosen another team. I think that's the way, the best way to word it. I know he wants to compete. I want Simeone is a great coach for midfielders and has uh, developed a lot, uh, a number of players in Atletico. I know it's a great option for for Marcos, but but he's Atletico man. Uh, the thing is, his family has some precedence of playing for Real Madrid and Atletico so again that's mm. that's a bit different and interesting i didn't him. know the atletico so, part yes they did uh some of his uncles played for atletico and real madrid but again uh i don't know i'd rather see him go somewhere else
0: my sometimes the way i try to think about these things um because in the end this is this is their careers this is how they pay their bills mind you they uh with the checks yeah. they get they don't really worry about the, paying the bills but also, you know, it's hard work becoming a footballer and they deserve it when they get there. And a lot, of, a lot of footballers also just fade into oblivion and never become anything and never and have to pick up second jobs. But the way I always try to think about it is if my son Luca um, had a choice to play for Atletico or for no team in the Champions League. Uh, <laughs> I, I That's honestly well would. Put, yes. I honestly would. I would say go for it. I, I and I would tell him to give me ten percent of his salary or something. I'd, you know, that I'd be, I'd be happy for him. I. So I. Do you think, like, if your son, if Real Madrid cast him aside? Uh.
1: <laughs> this, this is quite a, quite a question. <laughs> I'd be, I'd, I'd really struggle. I yeah. mean obviously I, I would I would want to do the best for him and the best was, was playing in the Champions League but to see him wear red and white I I probably wouldn't watch him in the matches
0: <laughs> It's interesting we, I was talking about this on Monday on the on that podcast with Diego and yeah. um Jesus Gil came up and we were yes. we were talking about you know how much of a corrupt person he was but also um an interesting domino that led Real, Raul to Real Madrid was that Jesus Gil disbanded the Atletico youth team. Yep. No. At the time Raul was coming up and he had nowhere to go, so naturally he goes to Real Madrid and all of a sudden because of this one man, Raul is a Real Madrid player instead of an Atletico player. And I and I was, I was also thinking about you know what his parents must have said like well go for it. Obviously you're not going to be an Atletico player, you know you could be a Real Madrid player. So I just I think sometimes it's easy for fans to get emotional about it and uh and and kind of chastise a certain player and i get it i you know if if and if it was barcelona i would be really upset cuz that's a different kind of rivalry to me atletico you know as you mentioned you know the big brother little brother thing that you know better than me there was like a what a, was it a 17 year 17 year span or something ridiculous that real madrid was undefeated against atletico I
1: think it was twelve or thirteen. 12 yeah, or 13. Was really I added a few years yes, really. for dramatic effect. Yes. But
0: like, but when Simeone came, he completely flipped the switch in that change. But you know, for yeah. a long time, like we weren't really bothered by anything they did. They were even relegated at some point, and so correct. Yes. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's I, I I understand it kind of either way. Have I, you
1: ever watched a so match at the Atletico ground? No, never. Uh, we'll do that when you're here. In in. In the fall i'd love to because the <laughs> level of vitriol <laughs> they throw at us is just beyond anything that you could possibly see
0: yeah i would say it's
1: even higher than barcelona
0: yeah that that part barcelona I gets a
1: political bit mm. and that's kind of against the race the rest of spain not only not only madrid but atletico atletico fans just despise us it, it's it's just stronger than them i think they're they're even more keen on Real Madrid to lose than on Atletico to win. It's that bad.
0: Yeah, I think they hate us more than we hate them.
1: Oh, by far. Yeah. Yes. Which is,
0: I think, the case for many La Liga teams. Like, I I feel this way about Valencia. Like, I really don't don't get bothered by Valencia. I know that they don't like us at all. Um, Yeah. Barcelona, I think, is the one team where it's really mutual. But other than that, I don't know if there's like, you know, Real Madrid seems to be hated more than Real Madrid hates those teams. Um, no because when you're great
1: you don't bother about those things yeah
0: I mean that's the way (laughs) that's exactly the way really you should look at it Um, yeah yeah so couple questions Um, Brennan Powers says Eduardo these are from patrons by the way patreon.com slash managing widget. Brennan Powers says Eduardo who has been your favorite player to watch at the Burnabout throughout the years and why do you think anybody on the current squad can bring that level either now or in the future (laughs)
1: well the we've discussed something similar to this before and my point is that your favorite player is not really related to excellence in performance but there's a few emotional uh reasons behind it that probably if you include this or, or this other player in the squad today, they probably didn't even make the starting lineup because they're more physical, they're faster, they're, they're fitter. They're... But I would say um, there's two to me. The first one is Butragueño, and that's because of my age when Butragueño joined the team and, and how he seemed able to do things that no one expected. Yeah, and uh, that's really something special, and, and again more emotional than performance. They won two UEFA uh, Cups, to the 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 kind of the equivalent of the Europa League now, and that to us was an amazing achievement. And uh, Butraguiana was kind of again the pet of that team because he was the youngest, and he he scored here and there, and it was not exactly the leader of the team, but to me was kind of the, the player I looked up to and, and and I was young and it was in a special relationship. The second one was uh, from the same Quinta del Buitre, uh, a more, I would say, a more adult and, and performed-oriented um, preference from my side is, is Martin Basket. Mm. Um He was amazingly skilled. He could play in any era. He was be dexterous and it was hard actually it was hard to know if he was left-footed or right- footed because he could he could go both ways and hit the ball extremely hard with both legs um, he was tactically brilliant and he only missed a little bit of heart to to be a, a to make it big in in, in world football is I uh... very very talented but didn't quite uh, succeed as much as i expected him to
0: i thought about you today actually because i was watching highlights from uh the 1995 classical the burn the 5-0 the manita where yeah. Zamorano scores the hat trick and martin vasquez had a really really beautiful assist uh yes to, he, to he, Zamorano he, in that game
1: he dribbles with uh, what we call in Spain a, a, a self-pass right
0: yeah, where you you play it on one side of the player, then run around and yes. get it. Yeah, it's a very exactly. underrated move. It seems to work every time. I don't know why more players don't do it. <laughs> do you? Were yeah. you at that game, by the way? I was. Mm. Is there was, any game that you haven't been to? I feel like any time I've no, asked you that no. question.
1: Funnily enough, this was my fourth game as a socio.
0: Okay, so this was just the beginning.
1: Yes, I, I had been going with with tickets. With like regular tickets with friends for like two or three years on and off and that was when I got my first salary and uh, and that's how I use it
0: the same seats
1: the same seat since
0: wow. then yes wow yes that that's an incredible feeling must be to you basically own have owned the same seat for 20 <laughs> yes. some years
1: 24 yeah
0: yeah that's your seat like that you own that piece of real estate essentially yeah. Do yeah, you... That's
1: why that's why uh, people make fun of me when I say this, but I love to get to my seat and see someone else seated.
0: <laughs> do you get them? You them... make them to get up,
1: and and yes, you, you kick them out. It's it's, it's glorious.
0: <laughs> when you gave uh, me <laughs> and your... they
1: try to explain that I'm wrong, and I'm like, I've been coming here for for twenty four <laughs> years. Me, I know I'm this not wrong.
0: My... <laughs> when you gave uh, when you gave me your season ticket, and with uh, with your friend, we went to that clasico. Um, I think we may have sat in the wrong seats, but neither of us knew because we've never, <laughs> but no one no one made us get up, which was a nice relief, so I don't know. Um, you were there for then, that was Raul's debut season, right?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: I think Butrogenio was, to, I think we talked about this, I think Butrogenio to you was what Raul was to me. So, yes. you know, like that, what was it like seeing that mental pass, because that was essentially how it happened, right? Butrogenio wasn't the same. This new kid, Raul, comes on the scene, and the the torch gets passed.
1: It was funny, because even though I was a huge Butrogenio fan, um, when I saw Raul, I thought, he needs to start now. Mm. He's ready. Mm. I mean, why would we? And and some of my friends uh, were saying, we should take it easy with him. We could burn him um he's 17 um he, his body is not completely developed I mean anything can happen with him that that there is anything bad can happen with him but he was so um, so confident so direct so so creative that I was like he needs to start and and Budraeno had lost his his speed his uh his moves, and he was still very good with with the passing and the vision, but he was not uh, a top level forward anymore. So it was painful to watch, and and it was even more painful because the Bernabeu started to boo him when whenever he was he was on the pitch, and that's some that's one of those things that I, I just can't stand. I get mad just of remembering that. <laughs> um, but it was a transition that that needed to be done.
0: I can't think of a better. Uh, succession like yeah you went from years of butroganyo legendary years um to replacing him with someone basically the same if not better and um, yeah in that they both are are from the youth system they both have incredible character and class and humility and uh, both Elite strikers. Like that's a really. I don't know if it was just luck that we just happened to stumble upon that you you end the Butraganu era with Raúl and and then that starts. But but whatever it was, it worked out and was incredible. I think also the impressive thing, about Raúl was that he also came up at a time that there was they didn't really lack strikers. You know, like when I remember when Capello came in in 1996, um, he had Suker, Mihatovic, and Raúl in the same team. And yeah. Raúl didn't like he was just part of the team. They, they, he didn't bench him, um, and so no, I, no, he
1: was playing on the left. Was he was crazy. playing on the left, yeah. left midfield.
0: Yeah. yeah, I believe. Also, I think he actually led the league in scoring that year when he was on the left. I could be wrong. I have to go back yeah. and check. But um, yeah. Anyway, so I there's another question. Um, we've we've spoken about the sporting director thing before. But this question is from Ilian Zako. He says, what does the team's future look like after Florentino? Is he eligible for re-election? And if not, will we finally get a sports director that could modernize the structure of the club and work on building a new Real Madrid dynasty with the crop of young talent we have with a great coach like Paco Klopp? No disrespect to Florentino, but I feel that his way of doing things is outdated and will hurt the club in the long run.
1: I have to say that when I read this question and I thought of the world post-Florentino, I got dizzy. (laughs) I was thinking, God, who's going to take over? I I understand that you may find some of Florentino's methods outdated and that we haven't done ourselves any favors recently with the choice of uh, Lopetegui and the fights with the Spanish Football Association and there's, there's a number of things that... Um, and yes, the, the, to have uh, some kind of uh, long-term plan uh, sports-wise. But Florentino gets a lot more things right than he does wrong. And
0: uh, and it's not even close. It's, like the, it's not even close. The, it's no. like the scales are tipped overwhelmingly in the favor of the good yes. things he does.
1: Yes, I mean, uh, just... Uh, again, I'm gonna go back to the beginning of the podcast. The basketball section was shambles, hadn't won anything for like fifteen years, and uh, he trusted lasso and now they're a, a machine and that's that's what we need to find on the fo- on the football and on the football section. and the football section has been uh, quite successful and and amazingly profitable from the financial point of view, which is you may think that's uh, secondary and that's not sports and whatever. But in today's world, that's as important as getting your coach right, because you compete with uh, billionaires with uh, oil money or whatever the, the money comes from. And you need to have a, a pretty stable source of revenue if you want to attract top talent and and remain relevant. And, and I mean, we could have become, uh, a medium team, if a medium sized team, if Florentino hadn't done all the things he's done to modernize the club in terms of marketing and, and new sources of revenue. And if with other presidents that we've had in the past, if, if we, if rather than Florentino, we would have remained with Lorenzo Sanz or that profile of, uh, Mm, not very sophisticated uh, self-made businessman would be now mm, irrelevant in europe I'm, i'm i'm positive about about that we will have to transition from florentino but right now i really struggle to see who's the name who can take over in the in the medium term
0: who is like who is the shortlist realistically
1: the thing is, if if you know the rules,
0: yeah, uh, it's almost that impossible. That
1: changed is is just Florentino. I mean, you need to have over twenty. It depends on the budget of each year, but last time I I checked it, it was like twenty five million euros um, to deposit uh, just to become the president. It, it can't be alone. It, has, it must be your money, and you must have been a socio over twenty five years as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> i mean the, the the money takes out whatever adventurer would would like to take over, and the number of years as a socio takes out any billionaire from the Middle East that wants to buy Madrid as a present for for his country. So it's really, really hard to find someone that i mean there are former players that um, like Manolo fans. They've been rumored to be interested in becoming uh, an option uh, or an alternative to Florentino, but he doesn't have 25 million euros.
0: Well, it's the uh, the bank guarantee you have to put down also has to do with a percentage of the club's annual budget, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. Um, yes. And F- it only gets
1: higher, obviously.
0: Yeah, it only gets higher. So when Florentino returned in 2009, uh, he put down a guarantee of nearly fifty eight million. 58 million uh, Euros. I can't even comprehend that number really. I so and and no one else could pay it. So like he didn't actually have anyone to contest against. Like he, he was yeah, just paid the it thing. and he was the president. That's the thing there's there's no 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 competition. The only one I can think of um and I don't know if he quite fits the criteria. I just assume he does but I'm not sure is Rafael Nadal. Which is not. Well, it's well kind of, of interesting. Yeah.
1: I'm not sure he's been a socio for that long, but.
0: Mm. He is a socio, though, right? He
1: is a socio, yes. I don't think he's been that long, but again, that's just a matter of he can keep playing for another five years, and. Um, I'm going to look into that. that. That's a really. Yeah, let really, me know. Really good name. Yeah.
0: Um, in terms of. Yeah, he's a respectable figure. If you
1: can find fifty million or twenty-five million, uh, I'll be twenty-five. I'll I'll become twenty-five year old socio next January.
0: (laughs) You just need to get the bank guarantee. (laughs) Exactly. If there was ever a day where the the election, if there was ever a day where there's an election between uh, Ramon Calderon and Rafael Nadal. And we need Rafael <laughs> Nadal to like. We need raise money. We'll we'll start a Kickstarter campaign, GoFundMe, whatever. And and I'll contribute as much money as we can to make sure he gets that bank guarantee. Because uh, anyone really, uh, and so it's, it's, it's someone like Nadal actually really becomes interesting if the if the competition is someone like Calderon who comes back. Because I have no interest in reliving that experience. No, agreed. Um, anything to to plug ed before we wrap it up do you uh
1: no not really i will have something some news in in the next couple of weeks i guess but not nothing at the moment
0: So liga fever i mean you gotta start that up you gotta start uh really revving that up soon because the league starts uh, before yeah, you know it
1: that it has to do with that the, yeah. the news but okay. I'm, I'm keeping those uh secret oh, okay. Until
0: until next month. Okay, so we'll wait for it. Um, in the meantime, LigaFever.com. You can go read terrific work from Phil Ball and Ed Alvarez um, on La Liga, all things La Liga. And uh, obviously read Ed's articles on managing Madrid and read all the articles on managing Madrid. And uh, Eduardo, thank you so much for uh, for joining the show and hala Madrid. Thank you, Guillermo, hala Madrid.